0: Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm Kevin Ham, and this week I am joined by Commissioner Derek Brown, who is the Lewis and Clark County Commissioner, and we have three commissioners? Three, right. Three, three commissioners, and they're each elected to six-year terms, and it's alternating which seat is open. Is that right? Right. So every two years, one comes up, so
1: there's a potential change every two years. Ah. And we, we have to—there's three commission districts— there's well, three commission districts. There's three commission districts. You have to live in the district. Huh? How is so, that divided out? Is it the same it's sort of weird? Thing? Because the city, half the population lives in the city of Helena. Right. So the city is divided into three parts, and then they go out and they sort of fan out and to and cover you know. the rest of the county. Yeah. So East Helena is part of the eastern, eastern part of district. Helena. I've got the middle. Okay. Uh, Murray's got the west. His goes up to Lincoln. Mine goes up to Augusta. Wow. Mine's separated. Mine's the only one. It's two parts to it. But, <laughs> and it's by law that it's done that way. And then uh, periodically they have to go do, make adjustments because the population changes. And they have to balance the... Each district has virtually the same population, right. uh, virtually the same area, which can easily be balanced in Lewis and Clark County because there's parts that don't have many people. So you right. just throw a little more area in to make them. But You've the got guy 62 cows and a lot of people. But the, we have a guy that does it periodically, he's done it for a long time, and uh, I'm shocked at how close they come. I mean, like within four people or something. Wow.
0: So is that done every 10 years, or is it done before each election? Or Don't know. If it, no, it's not each election. It no. might, I, I don't know the frequency, but we just did it recently. Uh, I know the redistricting is happening for the legislature, and that's starting to be a very contentious issue, so mm-hmm. it's it's Yeah. You know, politics in Montana. Wow, fun. Yeah. So let's go back into your history a little bit. You have been, a, uh, this is your first term as a commissioner? Right. And what made you decide to run? Like so many people,
1: I ran a construction business for 30 years. I've been here since 1973. Okay. So not a native, but probably getting closer than some. Yeah. <laughs> I've been here since 1975. I would have been, been here in 1973, <laughs> but I was only born that. Yeah, see, so. so I've been here longer than you. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always been fairly active. I never really recognized it, but um, I've always been an outspoken voice about things. If so I thought things weren't what they ought to be, I'd step up and do it. And uh, Mostly things with city, building department, because I was in the building business for a lot of years, and I'd get involved with things. And uh, Many years ago, I got on a committee, the, uh, what was it called? The Unified Development Ordinance for the City, and I don't know how I got on there, but it was uh, taking three different ordinances in the city and combining them. And it was many, many months of meetings. And and I was, I guess like I am now, pretty outspoken about things. And um, so I've always kind of been around the edges of things. And a uh, uh, few years ago, I thought, saw things going very badly in the county, um, um, mostly land issue kind of things, but a lot of things were just not going well, major lawsuits against the county and I, I, so I came home one day, and I was just mad about it again. And my <laughs> wife, Tia, said, you know, it sort of put up or shut up. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> Called you on it. You could do something about it, but I'm not going to listen to it if you're not going to do anything about ah. it. So then you threatened to run, and she held you to it. And well, I, I batted around for a little bit, and I thought, well, I'm not a politician. I mean, who oh am I? I can't go out and get elected. I'm just,
0: it's just not who I am. I don't do that kind of stuff. And then you would not improve that wrong. I did, yeah. yeah. So, so what was it like getting involved in, you've decided to run, how did you set up your campaign, how did you go about getting support? Scared to death <laughs> when I made the decision to do it.
1: And felt entirely inadequate. Again, I, I, this is a whole different realm. I mean, it's one thing to go out as a citizen and you know, raise your voice and then walk away from it, but to think that you could actually get elected to a, you know, the, it's the highest position in the county, the three commissioners. right. Um, Uh, I knew Anita Varone. The first time I actually got involved directly in politics, Anita Varone was running for office. I saw some things I thought weren't going on well and I was involved with the Home Builders Association and they had commissioned candidates came and talked and I thought, I didn't know Anita but I thought she sounded like she had it together and she wanted to do the right thing. And so, um, I think it was at the end of the meeting, the, the attitude then was surprising to me because people said, well, yeah, we think she's really good but I don't know if we should openly support her because we're the building association and that might be bad. That might you know, be bad for her because people don't like builders, they don't like realtors, they don't like developers. And I said, uh, well, that doesn't go very far with me. And, I, and I, this was shocking to me because I never really got directly involved. And I took my wallet out, I took $20 out and I slapped it on the table. I said, I'm going to support her. Put your money where your mouth is, you know. Because it's not all about money, but it, that's it helps to get there. Right, it that's a, something to do. The easiest way to prove support. And I put some signs up, and I, you know, it's the first time I'd ever really got thought. Oh, hmm. And part of that struggle for me was that um, Anita wasn't the perfect candidate. Did she win? She won. Okay. But I think most of us, when we look at that, we look at the people running for office, and we say, "Well, they don't. They don't represent my views 100 percent." So they're not the perfect candidate. And it was sort of a, it was a, hey, maybe you're quicker than I am at this stuff. It took me a while to get this figured out. But recognizing that, okay, she was by far the best candidate, and they, she needs my support, and I'll do what I can to support her. And so I did, and she won. I don't know if my support had anything to do with it. But <laughs> so, so then you turned around and? Well, that was, uh, she had a six-year term. It was probably eight years or so before I ran, I think. Yeah, well, she was out of office um, either two or four years before I ran for office. Um, so, and she lived in a different district anyway. So it right. came, came time that I was up and I mentioned it and I mentioned it to her. And she said, great, we'll get a bunch of people together and help you. Because I didn't know the first thing about it. But she had run a, a campaign. So right. ask somebody that's done it. Ask somebody that won. I mean, that's if you want to get involved, find a winner you know, <laughs> and do that. So um, she kind of got me pointed in the right direction. You know, you need to go register with the Minister of Political Practices, do all the different stuff, and um, kind of lined me up with some people who would help me. But generally speaking, people asked me who my campaign man. You know, who, who ran your campaign? I did. Mm-hmm. Tia and I ran the campaign. Um, On top of running the vet Construction business, the vet being, clinic, yeah. The stuff, being yeah. an in choir <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. else. Yeah. When did you find time? <laughs> And it was a job. We have a sailboat that we didn't put in the water that year. We have a lot of things we just didn't do. And I was shocked to look at this thinking, well, this is just a local county commissioner race. And here it is. It's January. It was a, in a December, first part of January. And I thought, well, what's the big rush? No, it's 11 months from now. It's just a local race. And, no, and it's not like you work at it every day. Well, you do kind of, but it's not full-time every day. But it's a focus. You have to be focused. You do the whole time. And um, got a lot of advice from people on things, and also made my own decisions obviously and what I was going to do and um, help in introductions to different groups you know get into different places i 'm um, in a public position I talk to lots of people, but i don 't think of myself as being a very public person
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, i'm not i 'm not in hundreds of clubs and you know the social butterfly kind. the <laughs> social rhinoceros yeah so but so, it was yeah. uh, it was good, and then I recognized I, I pushed for the I was unopposed in the primary. Okay, um, that makes some of it
0: easier, but it makes it
1: does, It does, but I, I campaigned for the primary like it was the election because it was my dry run to go right. try it, um, and I was shocked. It was and the money part always bothers me. I don't know that I'll I doubt that I'll run again. I you know it would be exceptional that I would run again for this, but uh, the money part always bothers me. I hated to ask for people for money. But I, the only way I sort of rationalized it after a while, kind of working through it, is these people aren't giving me money. They're investing in me because they want, they want me to work for them for six years. Yeah. And they're going to, I mean, at the time it was 130 I think it went up to $160. That's a pretty good investment for six years of representation to help you get there. Yeah. And I always hate, in nationally I hate the money tied to politics, but somebody's got to help pie signs
0: and there's advertising, you know, all the stuff that goes with it. Yeah, and campaigns aren't cheap, and you know, the whole how do we communicate the issue comes up all the time, and there's signs, and there's postcards, and there's four-page flyers that went out from several candidates this week. I don't mm-hmm. know how they afforded those. Um, I'm impressed by the printing, but yeah, <laughs> I'm not impressed with their thinking. Um, so then you've got this campaign, and you're ready to go. You've done the um, primary, which you had you know, running against a ghost mm-hmm. candidate, great. Right? Then you come up on the main election. But I'll t- tell you that before the primary, getting the campaign going,
1: ah. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I'll tell you right, I didn't have a clue. Put some brochures together, put talking points together, and it's, it's tough. It's, I think it's much easier as an incumbent because you know what it's all about.
0: Well, yeah, but that's it's it's, it's it's much easier to ride a bike on day 2 than yeah, it was on day Yeah, but it's it's one. like assaulting the fortress and you don't know what's inside.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and you kind of do all you can, but it's hard to, you know, it's a little harder from the outside. Plus right.
0: figuring out where to go, well, what do you do with it and uh, Were you do, were you a public speaker before or had you I, done those sorts of things, a member of after uh, club or something. 25 or 30 shows at Grand Street and Carroll College and different places. Okay. So you have some presentations. Yeah, so there's that. Helps and you your run part. your own business, so you do understand a little bit about marketing and whatnot. So yeah. you weren't coming into this completely dry. No, no. But, but as the political
1: side of it, yes, completely dry. But, um, and people told me, this is a sort of part I of still own Mace, that door-to-door is what it's all about. You know, you've got to go door-to-door. I'm like, oh, how can, you know, 60,000 people, how do you do door-to-door? How do you do this whole thing? Uh, I did low, I had fairly low budget though, I, I bought, bought some yard signs, I painted all my own 4x8 signs. You know, I did a, we did a lot of low budget stuff. Uh, but I found out, I didn't go door to door for the primary, but about middle of the summer, Jack Walsh took me by the hand and said, you're not going to, come on, literally took me by the hand and said, we need to go door to door, I'll get you started. <laughs> I'll show you how it's
0: done, kid, come this way. And I loved it. Really? Yeah. See, I, I know some itself. people that are absolutely terrified of knocking on a door. It's which I I find bizarre, to start but... with. You've got to get
1: out and do it. And I loved it. I, I would say in all the... I, we, we divided the city up. Did mostly the city because it's, it's easier to walk door to door. Did some other areas. But um, I got a map of it and I marked it out into areas that I figured, okay, we can do this 10 block or whatever area in, you know, on Saturday afternoon. So we, and worked around worked different parts of the city. In all of that, I think that um, Mattia went with me virtually the whole time. Every once in a while, the three or four people go with me. But I would say we probably hit 80% of the houses in Helena, maybe more. I mean, really covered
0: the place. Now, okay, back on this district thing, I don't understand this. Do people from all over the county vote, but you have to live in the district? You're you're elected at large, but you have to live within the district. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it only makes sense in the
1: idea that... um, Let's say Lewis and Clark County had three major cities or three equal-sized towns. You would want a representative from each of the towns to represent the, the community. But because it's all
0: centered in one corner of it, it doesn't make a lot of sense in that regard. <laughs> and uh, does it make sense in any of our counties? Because I can't imagine any of our counties have Probably not, in but sense. in paper it looks good. Oh, our government. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so out knocking on the doors, having a good time, meeting all the people... In all of those doors, I never had anybody that was
1: really objectionable. And the worst, they say, well, sorry, no. I'd ask them if they wanted a brochure or whatever. But they'd politely say no. In all of those doors, never had anybody that was nasty to me.
0: Shocked. Well, me. It's Helena. Nobody here is nasty until we get in the Capitol building. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the, um, I'm the Republican commissioner.
1: In, I, I won in when Obama won, it was a Democratic landslide in the area, and I won as a Republican, and, and it was the, the most, you go and knock on doors and talk to people, get to know them a little bit, and, and ask them if you can put a sign in the yard, You know, you, you, the whole sell yourself thing. Mm-hmm. The best, some of the best locations, um, my sign in there with every other Democrat on the, in the planet, and my sign was in there. I thought, <laughs> now that's good, because I'm a middle of the road person, and I really feel like I do
0: represent all the different perspectives to the best of my ability. Uh, I didn't realize you were a Republican. Um, I should have looked that up. I should have looked many things up before I start my shows. Well,
1: I'm I'm Republican. Um, My opponent was a Democrat. And I looked at, I've never really declared a party. And I I vote both sides. I look at the person, I look at where they are. And I looked at this, and I thought, and what, what finally decided that I'm the Republican commission candidate is there were three Democrats in there, and they were doing an awful job of it. I thought,
0: well, if that's what the local Democrat Commissioners are doing well. I'm I'm clearly the Republican (laughs) commissioner. (laughs) So you cat and the hat yourself. I'm clearly not this, therefore. Well, yeah,
1: but I'm going to say I had never really declared any kind of party. I'd never run for anything. So you.
0: you, you, Okay, and and this seems weird to me because I grew up around politics, but you didn't grow up around politics. You didn't have any desire to do this as a kid, didn't run for student council or any of that. I'm an immigrant. I wasn't a citizen when I was young.
1: My parents never became citizens, so they never voted. Really? They were always vocal, my dad was always vocal, but never voted because he wasn't a citizen, he couldn't. Wow. And so I got my own citizenship when I was 18. Hmm. So, but that was important to me, and that was Vietnam War time. And yeah. at the time, I thought, I can get drafted, I don't have to be a citizen to get drafted. By God, if
0: I'm <laughs> gonna get drafted, I'm gonna vote. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so different than several other candidates I can think of. So um, how's it been? You, you got elected. I, I'm sure election night was delightful.
1: I wasn't going to stay up.
0: I thought you're you like know, uh, It's like New Year's Eve
1: thing. You know, it's going to be the next year. Why oh, stay up? Um, so we're moving along. I got sick, actually, a lot. We were going door to door every weekend and evenings and stuff. And last week I got kind of sick and I, uh, probably just doing too much. So election night comes, and we went to the Win Bag. Uh, had dinner with some friends, and watching the TV, and um, saw Obama won. And McCain's speech, I got to tell you, after watching the whole thing, and I don't watch TV. Um, McCain's um, concession speech. It, concession speech, best thing he ever did. Not that he conceded, but he was tremendous on his concession speech. He yeah, was, well,
0: didn't. Yeah,
1: he was just great. He did a wonderful job. But since we don't, we don't have regular TV at home. We're not connected to anything. So we Did had you? some friends call and said, well, you're behind by 1,500 votes. I said, oh, man, that's a lot. You know, there's um, even, there's 60,000 people. I mean, you're lucky if you get 25,000 votes total. That's a lot. Right. It's a huge turnout. 1,500. is a big chunk. And, and so we had some other friends and said, well, maybe we should uh, you know, they invited us to come over and watch Obama's acceptance speech just to kind of wrap the thing up and and um, so I think we're headed over there and we said, yeah, I'm 1,500 behind. I said, no, you're, you're like 700 behind. I said, no, it's 1,500. No, no, it's 700 now. Uh, well, that's headed in the right direction, but it's still a big gap. Right. And as we went on, we kind of watched that. And then by the time we left, I was uh, two or 300 behind us. Like, you know, this is looking like it's possible. When I heard the 1,500, I was just I was like, well, it was worth the effort. You know, put a lot into it. C'est la vie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good experience, but that's the way it goes. Um, so I did stay up. <laughs> and then, so by the time you went to bed, you're two, three hundred behind. So you still didn't find out until the morning. Well, we went. No, I did stay up, and uh, we are people calling. What go time back and forth. was it when you found out? Three o'clock in the
1: morning. I won by, um, oh, what was it, three hundred eighty votes. Wow. Well, oh, we're there. nothing if not middle of the road in Helena. We'll, we'll kind of throw it at everyone. And I looked at that and thought, that's 195 people. If they changed their vote, it would go the other way. Out of, well, I think we both had close to 15,000. It was a huge turnout. You know, it was a big election, big
0: turnout. Right. That's amazing. So what was the, I don't know the time between the election and when you start. Election in November, you start January 1st. Okay, so same as yeah. most every other election. So what was your prep Going into you know January first, you have a new job. They do have a commissioner training
1: that occurs. The Mako puts it on. Did that in December. It's like a three or four day thing, just so you get a little more up on the whole legal aspects of the job and the you know it's a pretty broad training thing for a commissioner. Um, and then basically uh, got sworn in January first and went into my new office.
0: Cool. Um, so, uh, was it what you expected or? You know, I, I,
1: I, one of the things I enjoy doing, and I'm, I'm not evading the quest. I don't really <laughs> <laughs> avoid them. Um, we'll get back to it. It's no, like you'll that. get an answer here. <laughs> one of the things I really enjoy is that periodically we do D.A.R.E. graduations for fourth and fifth graders. And as you go, I mean, I tell you what, the first time I did a D.A.R.E. graduation, I was a little scared to death, kind of, and like, I know how to talk to adults. What do I say to a bunch of fourth and fifth graders in an auditorium full of people? You know, you have to connect. And but one of the things I said was, um, "Do you guys? I'm the I'm the county commissioner. Do you, anybody know what a county commissioner is?" And well, you know who the governor is, and the mayor, and the president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, "Anybody know what a county commissioner is? Anybody know what I do?" And they're all like, no. I said, well, geez, I'm hoping somebody could tell me because I don't know what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) (laughs) They Uh, kind of enjoy it. I'm kind of worried that if you go to the high school, you might get the same response. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of a weird deal, a county commissioner. Uh, But I I guess it's me, the way you do things. I kind of came into office, and I know um, um, first day in the office, well, I would say that um, I came into a, a politely cool environment. I was not the person people wanted to be there. And I have alienated my, distanced myself a little bit any, all the way through. I, I, I ran for office to change, to fix the things that I thought were bad. There's still a lot of things that need to be changed. After three, almost three and a half years, I've been un, un, unable to get to them to change them. So I continue to be kind of the thorn in the side in a lot of ways because I'm always jabbing saying, hey, got to fix this stuff. Um, A lot of it's land use related. Um, I've been trying since I got there to get subdivision regulations open and fixed. Nobody will do it, and I can't do it by myself. That's the one thing that becomes very obvious. Um, Three commissioners, one commissioner. In fact, I was told by several of the staff that I'll do anything for two
0: commissioners, I won't do anything for one commissioner.
1: And, And it's... I you don't know. That, I don't know that anybody face. who
0: said that to my face, if I was a commissioner, would be around much
1: longer. It takes two, and partly there's a, there's a, a non personal side to that, because if one commissioner's is get, getting a whole bunch of people to do things out there, well, the other two, you know, where do the other two come in? I mean, you, you have to have a majority vote to get anything done, right? So there's a lot of two to one that goes on. You know, I'm I'm the one that's always pushing. I'm the one that's. Um, I hold, a, there's a lot of very good people in the county. Not, to, I mean, I don't wanna make the impression there aren't. But there's things that aren't done well. And I think that one of the things that I've done while I'm there is is people do a better job. Because we go into public meetings and I start asking questions and it's my nature. Um, I, I, I don't set people up. I, I ask a question a lot, sometimes because I wanna know the answer, but usually I know the answer. Most of the time because it's a public meeting. It's televised, we've got people there, and I want those, those answers on the record. I want people to know what
0: we're doing, what's going on. Right. So uh, I ask oh, a question? Sounds, uh, transparency? No, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know is a perfectly fine answer. People have found that out now after a while. Ah. But I'd ask a question, they sort of give me this evasive answer, and I sort of ratchet up a little bit. So I ask a more direct, try to get drilling a little closer, and I start to get danced around a little bit more, and then I start to get a little, little hot under their collar, <laughs> and I get pretty direct on that. Um, and people's, you know, they're shocked that I would uh, verbally attack in a way one of the staff.
0: Well, if they're not giving you the answers that you need in order to be able to do your job, you must. Right. That's my perspective. And I'm my perspective as a citizen of the, the county is that either you ask or answer the question or turn in your resignation. It's not quite that simple with government. Well, uh, but yeah. but that's the thing. That's the problem that I have with a lot of government. Now we're going to go off the rails, I can feel it. <laughs> but
1: there's two there's there's multiple parts to that. Mm-hmm. There's somebody giving you well, part of it and I don't we we never see this in ourselves. Apparently, I can be somewhat intimidating, and I don't intend to be. Well, maybe after a while, I do. At that point, but, <laughs> um, but I don't try to. I don't start out that way. I don't try to use a powerful position for whatever it is. I don't think it's a powerful position anyway. But I don't ever try to use that as I'm going to intimidate you because I'm the commissioner and you're not. But my objective is to get an answer. Is to get it out. I want this on the record. I want this stuff there. So there's a couple of reasons, several reasons, why I might not be getting a direct answer. Um, they're lazy they haven't done a good job they, are, they don't maybe they, it's a mistake or they don't know You know, honestly they just, they're just off track right. I mean there's all these different reasons so you try to figure out where is this going We're, all of us are imperfect we don't always have the best answer we don't always have everything there but that's why it's taken a while for
0: people to recognize that. I don't know is an okay thing to say right it's not school it's not a test um, what bothers me about it is if I'm asked a question and I don't know an answer, I do say I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, could usually, I usually follow it up with, I'll try to find out. You know, That's just fine. Not a big deal. And I get asked, you know, in my business, I get asked by my clients all the time about things that I've never heard of or have no idea about. Mm-hmm. Or no clue. I'll go find out. Um, I, the problems that I have in, I, in my interfacing with government and, and dealing with people and asking a question, I get a lot of... Well, and then it is immediately followed by a whole bunch of words that mean nothing. And it's, uh, it's a cover your behind right. answer. And that tends to make me somewhat vicious yeah, yeah. immediately. So
1: I'm one of those, and I've, I've done it in public meetings. Um, what the problem is here is that we screwed up. We did a bad job of this thing. We need to apologize for it. We need to figure out how to make it right. And hopefully you'll forgive us. That goes a long way. It does. You, you almost never hear that in government.
0: Well, but if we heard it more in government, we wouldn't have the problems
1: we have. Right. That's my. That's kind of how I like to approach things. Now, the other side of it, the, um, uh, you know, we have people. Who, these are professional jobs that they're supposed to do. This. Hopefully, you would have an answer. I'm disappointed that you don't. It's your job to have these answers. But that's why I ran for office because I think things were getting pretty sloppy. Nobody really did, not, not, again, I don't want to, there's some people who do a good job when they have. Some people. Mm -hmm. Getting lazy, sloppy, bringing things forward, not doing a good job. You know, I'm not trying to condemn everybody that works at the county by any means, but there's a cross-section of society just like everywhere else. Right. It's not like it's all good or all bad or whatever. Some are better than others. Some are very, very dedicated public servants.
0: Do a wonderful job. Some aren't so, so. Well, you run into those everywhere, and, you know, do what you can. So you got involved because of land use issues. Primarily, yes. Yeah. And the subdivision? Subdivision issues. There
1: are eight major lawsuits against the county. One's been settled. Part of it, the, the attorney's fees haven't been done yet, so there were, there, well, there's still eight because that one's not completely done. That's a lot of lawsuits, and they could add up to millions of dollars of taxpayer money to get, get them finally resolved. And what are they about? The one that has been settled was the Jerry Christensen case on Lake Helena Drive. Um, And this is a big part of why I ran for office. What the county was doing, um, trying to figure out how to get roads fixed up, how to get them handled. And there was a fair amount of growth going on. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden everybody's scrambling, what do you do, how do you handle it? The Jerry Christensen case, it's on Lake Helena Drive. He had Foxtrot 1 and Foxtrot 2 subdivisions. Each one was twelve lots, pretty small subdivisions right along at Lake Helena. He did Foxtrot one and did the usual things. a lot of it's kind of a bunch of crap, but he did the usual stuff and he was okay. He goes to do Foxtrot two, which in effect is just phase two of his Foxtrot subdivision, and the county says he has to pay Lake Helena drive now.
0: The entire drive? From uh, several but I think the from twelve of, to uh, well, January from, or it's
1: it's paved uh, out by the golf course. This is way on the north end of it. And it's paved out to where, because the county halls, the, the city, county stuff, the landfill's out there. So it's right. paved to where the landfill road is. But from there to the causeway, it's not. Mm. And Jerry's subdivision's down by the causeway. So I, I don't know the numbers exactly, but it was like $1.2 million to pave Lake Helena Drive. For how, how far was it? A mile or a mile and a half? A mile and a half or something like that. Boy. For 12 lots. Doesn't take very long to do the math and say that's just not making any sense. No. So he sued the county and um, won. And the district court said the county was definitely wrong, violated the Montana Constitution, the federal Constitution, um, takings, basically. And it went around a couple other renditions later. That One of the things from the court order was that he didn't have to pay the road, but that we had to go back and then Sort of step back in time and rehear that last piece to apply something that made sense to it. That was a two. Then I was a commissioner at that point. Came back in and I said that because of the regulations, it was under the 2005 subdivision regulations. We had nothing in there that said you'd have to pave roads. Mm -hmm. I said we need we've got to let him off because that's what the regulations were in 2005. Right. And it was a two-to-one vote. The other two said, no, we need to basically apply the new regulations, which are a proportional share. Went back to district court and got kicked out again. Because the court said, can no, read the calendar. No, wrong. <laughs> and it got kicked out again. And so he was awarded $300,000 in damages. And the attorney's fees part is, has yet to be decided by the court and it could be another three, four $400,000 in damages.
0: Uh, I could ask you about the history and why they went into those decisions, but I'm sure it would just inflame me. Well, the
1: problem is if you read that case, at the same time, I mean, in the same time frame, the, um, I can't remember the name of the um, subdivision on Birdseye Road, a big subdivision that went, went in out there, um, they didn't have to do anything to Birdseye Road. Oh, so it, was not... it doesn't meet county standard, but they didn't have to do anything. Um, Lake Helena Drive doesn't meet county standards, he had to pave it. So what's the disconnect? How come this guy did, this guy didn't? It's called arbitrary and capricious. Right,
0: and inequality. Great, that's fun.
1: And then, see, I'm also an engineer, civil engineer. So I look at this thing and I said, what's this this county standard? Um, As an engineer, you don't just come up with this cookie-cutter sort of, this is what a road looks like. You design roads to what lies underneath them. I mean, they're all, you look at the highway department, you know, you do tests
0: and you design the road to meet the conditions that are there. Unless it's Montana Avenue in Helena and then you just put well, paving down because and it'll become potholes in three months yeah. anyway. But
1: the county had no provision to allow, if a developer came in and said, I don't want to do it according to the county standard, I want to do it to accepted engineering standards, national standards, we didn't have, a no way they could do that. It had to be the road that the county said this is the road for. Now, it could be going through a swamp, but it's still gotta be the county road. And it's taken me, well, we still haven't adopted it. Oh my word. But we're still working on that. But, the, but there is the acceptance within government to say, okay, all right, we recognize that we need to actually kind of get up to speed and do that. So, so that's
0: three and a half years I've almost got there. And <laughs> you just, two and a half left. And you say you're not going to run again. Um, probably you should. Um, I don't think the one term is enough to get stuff done. I, I, well, it would have had cooperation. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, there's another C word that I would use. but <laughs> um, What's it like having to interface with the city? And the reason I bring this up is because there's an interesting overlap between the city and county govern- governments that mm-hmm. I see, but I don't know that it's as contentious as I think it might be.
1: Lewis and Clark County and the city of Helena have an unusual uh, relationship compared to the rest of the state. Um, We share the same building. We have a monthly joint work session. Essentially, we're working together pretty well. Hmm. We have some departments. The IT department is a city county department. We Uh have um, multiple things that are shared in that regard. You know, we we work through the building. We've got uh, a cooperative agreement between the city and the county on the landfill. The city has the transfer station. The county runs the landfill. Um, So uh, we talk. We we work through things and we talk, and that's good. You know, there are are cities and counties in the state that they don't even talk to each other. They're (laughs) completely out there. But on the other hand, there is the, um, the City of Helena, which is probably today more than half the population of the county, and then the county, which encompasses everything else. When I came into there, there were, and the, the commission had this, um, to me, an attitude that well, we're subsidiary to the city, kind of. What the city's the big guys? I mean, they're the all the people, all the money, and we just sort of have to cater to the city. And uh, I said. Boy, not this guy. (laughs) Not to say I don't want to cooperate and work closely with them, but, you know... Right, but you have a different... They're within the county. You have a different agenda. Yeah. And in discussions with the city, um, growth-related discussions and some of the things, I I periodically have to remind people that you get to define your boundary. You get to say, this is the part we're going to take care of, and if we don't want some stuff out there that's a problem, we're not going to deal with it. You know, we can control this very defined boundary. I said, we get everything else. And we get, we get a bunch of crap from people because, well, you've got stuff out there that's kind of a mess. You know, it's all there. We have to deal with all of it. Right. And, you, you know, there are people's choices about lifestyles and what they do and how they, how they evolve. and um, So it, it takes a lot to try. To, Funding-wise, we, we, we don't have the authority. And that's another little piece. The county has what they call general governing powers. We can only do things that we are specifically allowed to do in statutes. Right. The city is charter, and they can do anything unless it's prohibited in statutes. Big gap between <laughs> authorized and prohibited. There's that whole section in the middle. You know, the city passes ordinance, and they do all these different kinds of things. And we don't have the authority to do that. So when people call up and say, these fireworks are driving me crazy. Can't you pass an ordinance or something? No. We don't have the authority. So, we don't have the authority to do a lot of things that people think the county can do.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. I would think you would have the ability to do fireworks because it's a fire hazard, and can't you regulate those? No. Huh. Unless you
1: can find some way, some crafty way to make it work. One of the things, one of the big issues I have is wastewater. Um, When I ran for office, uh, there was a big deal about the. um, county had implemented emergency interim zoning based on a, a wastewater emergency, water quality emergency in the Helena Valley. Okay. I blew it wide open. I kept saying, this, no, your numbers are all skewed. They were saying there's an eightfold increase in nitrates, and all of this is a disaster. The sky's falling. It's
0: I got the all end the, of the world.
1: I took their, their report mm-hmm. and got all their references and went through all their references, and I pulled them all out and I said, it's not here. There's no emergency. It's not an eightfold increase. It's like a ten percent increase in thirty years, or you know, it's a small percentage, maybe less than that. Finally, just before the election, about it, I just found the old newspaper in the closet of the other day. Like two weeks before the election, big headlines: the county was wrong about the numbers. You know, when they made this big deal, they pushed interim zoning through, and cost cost a lot of people thousands and thousands of dollars because they had to put expensive level 2 treatment systems in where they really didn't need to. But it was all based on this fabricated emergency. Um, ugly, ugly. So, I mean, you, could, now you me doing all that, and I said people were lying about it, and I said all this stuff publicly, I still think that's what went on. So this is the environment I walk into when I get elected. <laughs>
0: so you set up a, a wonderful welcoming party for yourself. Oh, I did. It was just great, yeah. Um, and... Uh, Knowing that, and I don't know the other two commissioners uh, personally, well, I met one of them, I guess. And we have a professional, courteous relationship. Well, and one would hope. I mean, I have a professional, courteous relationship with people that I don't, can't stand as well. Um, I can be an adult when I have to be. Uh, In the privacy of my own room, though, whole different story. Um, We disagree about some of the policy. We disagree
1: about a lot of policy issues in the direction. But we do work, you know, we work together. We work, we're side by side every day. Right. So.
0: With, okay, so wastewater went in place. What, what were the changes that happened in interim zoning? I, I, I understand the term oh. some, somewhat, but I'm, there's a couple of different defini- definitions in my head. On septic system, basically
1: killed development in the Helena Valley. And to me, it was an anti-development deal. They'd been trying to do zoning, and they got beat up on zoning a bunch of different times. And so they said, well, we'll just do emergency zoning if, because... Zoning is set up that it's, it's like so many things in in county government, statutorily controlled, um, um, rural improvement districts, a bunch of different districts. You don't get to vote for it. The only thing you get to do is protest against it, which is a really funny way to do it, but that's the statute, and that's what we're stuck with. So zoning, if the county wants to go out and do zoning, we put it out there, and then you get to protest against it. But there's, there's two parts to it. There's... Number of landowners, so if you get, I can't remember the numbers, if it's 50% or 40% against it, it goes down. But the other one is based on area of agricultural land. So if you want to zone the Helena Valley and if you want to defeat it, you get about 12 people who own most of the land, and you say, that's it, you're done. You get the big agricultural property owners, to, and if they end, it's either 40 or 50% of the agricultural acreage, that's a protest that's sufficient to kill it just recently that's been overturned in district court in Zula the right. protest yeah i'm an advocate for zoning so but i, I think zoning is a good thing and i've been out there promoting zoning but on the other but there's a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths about what's happened with zoning and i've made the commitment to all the groups i've talked to that i will only support zoning if it's if it's felt that it's in everybody's if it's in your best interest it's a win-win mm-hmm. for you Right. If there's too many people out there saying no, no, it's not. It's a bad thing. Then I'm. I'm, I'm out well, then it's a bad thing. You've, yeah,
0: that's the whole point. But, of but I'm out there the trying to
1: convince them. Okay, you tell me what about what's a, what's bad about this proposal? If we can get specific and we can fix it and we make it so it works for you, then we move ahead because it's, it's a good thing if it's well done and it, it you know it helps people out. It protects your property.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, it's interesting because the, the city and the county i have always wondered, you know, where does one end and the other begin? Not the physical boundaries because I can see those, right. but the, the political boundaries have always been sort of flexible in my mind.
1: Yeah, but so there's a line in the county. And so I started this whole thing about and talking about wastewater zoning in the, in the city's zoned. There's 40 or 50 special zoning districts in the county, but we don't have the zone. So we don't have this tight control over everything that happens out there.
0: So are there part of, parts of the county that actually aren't zoned at all yet? They're oh, just, most of it's not zoned. Yeah. Oh, really? The special zoning districts are very small parts. So yeah. anything that's not zoned, it's just left as owned agriculture, par, private land, or public it's land? Or whatever you want to do. Oh, so you could just build anything, get permits and build anything? and No permits. You don't even need permits? Mm-hmm. Wow. You need a septic permit. You know, you've know, you got to
1: do the sanitary side of things. right. If you do a commercial building, then there's a state building permit. But the county has no permits beyond that. you want to build a house, you go build a house. You got huh. have a subject permit. You have to have an electrical permit. State again. State plumbing right. yeah. permit. But whatever you want to do is fine. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So then, while we're on zoning stuff, there are some issues that have come up. There's a statute, and you may have we've heard of it, subdivision for rent or lease.
0: Um, Have I, not heard of it, well, I will admit that. Well, it to that. hasn't hit
1: the, the mainstream part of it yet. Um, there were two counties. There's a statute in the you know, Montana Code Annotated. It's very poorly written, but when they talk about subdivision, <laughs> Just one statute's very well, poorly there's, written? There's, there's this is one anyway. <laughs> but it talks about a subdivision as being property for sale, rent, lease, or other conveyance. Okay. Now, first of all, why would you put sale, rent, lease, or other conveyance all in the same basket and deal with a piece of land that way. Well? I mean, there's a lot of difference between selling something and renting it. Or inheriting it, I or gifting I sell you my it, car, or... and I get paid for it, and you got the title to it. But you want to rent it for a week, that's a whole different deal. That's a completely different aspect. So uh, 54 of the counties didn't have a problem with things. I uh, 53. Missoula, Ravalli County, and Lewis and Clark had a problem with this. Um, and the, the statute was so dumb, it's been modified, but I could build on my, prop- I've got a 20 acres of land, as long as I meet the septic requirements, I can put a 20 unit apartment building on there. That's okay, because the statute says within one building, it's not a subdivision, something for rent. Built a 20 unit apartment building, huge impact, all the traffic, all the stuff, no problem. I wanna put two, individual buildings, two single bedroom houses on there. Now it's a subdivision. I'm not dividing the land either. You're owning both. I'm owning both but I want to rent you the single bedroom house. In fact it got so wacky that So you uh, build a tunnel to connect the two of them It's one house. I've got a house, I've got an apartment above the garage. If the garage is attached, no problem. If the garage is detached, it's now a subdivision. (laughs) In Missoula County, right now, if you want to, and that's a minor subdivision because it's less than five units. Right. Missoula County, right now, there's $10,000 in fees for a minor subdivision. And the estimate that the people at the meeting said it'll cost you $40,000 to go through a minor subdivision in Missoula County so that you can rent the apartment above your garage. Because it's detached. Because it's detached. Build a so tunnel. He, then it's attached. Yeah, I thought, breezeways are us. You know, connect them. <laughs> exactly. um, and that's this kind of... It's, a, it's It's absolutely insane. It's stupid. But Lewis and Clark County uh, proceeded with a lawsuit against the guy at Canyon Ferry. Um, and every time we'd have a meeting, I said, don't do it. It's stupid. Don't do it. The guy's got a big shop with an apartment above it and his house is next to it. And um, we pursued it. It was like five or six years. And we pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. I didn't. I said... Don't do it. It's stupid. This and is it's a waste lawsuit. of time. At the point that, that was finished, the Attorney General came out with his opinion saying, well, this is technically what the law says. And so the whole state is in a huge mess right now. And an example of the outfall from that, fallout from that.
0: Uh, outfall, outro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that
1: um, Rocky Mountain Development, which I think does some great things for people, provides senior housing, all this stuff, mm-hmm. um, got a, is a, some rock ridge or something i can't remember but there's a project they've got out on the new subdivision it's a subdivision in the city gone through all the procedures it's it's set up for however many units you know 30 units a problem everything's done now because of this but they want to do it in like four buildings they have to go back through subdivision Ugh. if it was all one building it was okay Four buildings, they've got to take it back through subdivision. Just do briefly. Get your generals. architects
0: to draw lines.
1: I can do it for them. Or huh. wait until hopefully next year the legislature will try to get it fixed. I've been working
0: with uh, a group that's working with the Department of Commerce to try to get this fixed. It's a disaster. So how was it, speaking of the legislature, um, I spent a little time up with our, our lovely friends at the last session. Isn't that fun? Uh, sure, uh, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> Um, it was not fun. It was ugly. And, um, I could joke about parts of it, but there were some parts that were really, really nasty. And, um, I know how I reacted and I've met you and I know kind of what you could be like. And, uh, I, I think you're much nicer than you think you are actually. So, <laughs> um, but how was lobbying the legislature? I've Especially cause it's, it was what, it was your second year.
1: Yeah. Now what I'm doing right now is working with a committee. Right. I have testified for the legislature several times. And that's, um, I don't know, you just go up and you make your case and you leave. Um, then you're <laughs> disgusted by the time you see it all come out at the end. Uh, this one, th- th- this thing, it was House Bill 494. This is a wacky thing. There were two bills to deal with this particular thing in the last, the last legislature. 629 got defeated and 629 had some sideboards on it. So it kind of made sense. i trying to deal with a subdivision for rent or lease. 494 got passed, and it just turned everything loose. It just said everything's okay. Now, much as I think it's crazy to go through subdivision to rent the little apartment above your garage, I don't think any, I don't think everything's okay, because um, one of these decisions came out of um, an attorney general's opinion from about 15, 20 years ago. Some guy got a big chunk of ground up by Kalispell or somewhere, and wanted to build um, what was it? Um, 48 fourplexes or something and okay. rent them. Well, it's not a subdivision because it, they're all for rent. So you've got the, however many, you know, there's like two or three hundred, it's actually four or five hundred units that would not be subject to any kind of review from local government.
0: There's that a huge impact. There. And
1: that doesn't make any sense. No, it, you can't just turn it loose, you have to put some kind of control on it. I mean, again, I'm, I'm a property rights guy. That's great, but there's a limit to it. You know, you've got to kind of make sense. So that, that just was crazy. So that's the flip side of it. So we're trying to... But Bill 494 passed and then went to the governor and he made an amendatory veto that put some sideboard. It said, okay, up to four units, you know, put some things on it. That passed the House, came into the Senate, 25-25 tie vote. So that died. Died. So we go through another two years of. This if we haven't crazy, fixed the problem. This problem persists. <sighs> it's a major issue. Most people don't know about it because they're not directly. No, involved but as it. soon
0: as it were to come up with their property, they'd be, they'd be bent over on it. It's ridiculous. So the sheriff's deputy in Missoula County
1: bought a new house, with its mm. apartment above a garage. I thought, great, it'll help me pay for the house. You know, sheriff's deputies, hardworking guy, not a huge income. It'll help so that he can make his mortgage payments and. Right. Missoula County came after him and said, Uh uh-uh. uh. You can't rent that out. Even though it's existing, it's been there for I don't know how long, you've got to completely demolish the apartment in the garage. You can't rent that to him unless you go through subdivision, and it's going to cost you $40,000 to do it.
0: That's insane. It is. So, um, now we know why you're involved in (laughs) politics. I can tell you a whole bunch of those. Um, Well, and it's those sorts of things. You know, there's a great description about politics that, or uh, government, that it tends to function like a ratchet. It only gets tired. It only moves in one direction. It's generally the way people feel about it, yeah. And, um, you know, Montanans built in their own safety valve for that with the constitutional uh, vote every 20 years. And we didn 't activate it this last one, and I'm very thankful we didn't activate it this last election because of where we are socially we 're so angry at everything that 's gone wrong in our country that we can't think and we don't think, and we elect people that are um, uh, how do I say this without swearing dangerous um, mm-hmm. so and from both sides of the aisle, I mean we have people that you know the i don 't know. I don't know who created the report that was coming out about the wastewater. I don't know what exactly was going around then. If it was eight years ago, I think it was just, I wasn't even back in town. Scare tactics. That was actually four years ago that the wastewater thing was the water quality emergency. And it, I see, I don't even understand, you know, who was it going to benefit? It stops growth. Yeah, but why, did, why would you want to stop growth? Why would you want to kill the economy in the state?
1: That's a tough one. You know, I was, I was walking to a meeting uh, a couple of years ago, I think. I was out in the hallway going into the chambers, and somebody was in the hallway asking me about And I know what it was. It was the area where there's a um, uh, Franklin Mine Road. There was a, a subdivision proposed by a, a church group, a school thing, 325 <laughs> acres. And they said, well, what do you, what, how, what do you, how do you feel about that? I said, do you want to ask me on this side of the door or on that side of the door? Because out in the hall, I'll tell you, um, I mean, there's a, I feel I'm a very fair person. But my own personal, selfish feeling, don't ever develop it. That was a nice open 320 acres when I got here. I like to see that open ground. That's wonderful. For me, the person, yeah, great. But when I walk through that door, it's a whole different story. Because somebody owns that land, and that they have the rights to do the things they want to do with that land. And I said, you know, somebody let me move here back in 1973. They didn't slam the door and say, no more, no more people going to go, no more growth. You can't come into Helena, Montana, because it's ours. They let me move here. I said, well, thank you. It's a wonderful place to be. So I get to be here. So I'm going to share it with anybody else. You do
0: realize that puts you on the wrong side of most of the Republicans right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, oh, I had a question, and it's completely skipped out of my head. How horrible. what puts been the wrong side of Democrats, too. <laughs> well, uh, the whole thing about, you know, things shouldn't change. That drives me nuts. Things should change, but they should improve. Oh, I know what it was I was going to ask. Um, I worked at the city of Phoenix for a while, and they had this interesting thing called um, the anti-blight campaign. Hmm. Um, because the city of Phoenix, as, as you know, it wasn't even a city until the late 40s. It really, you know, yeah, air conditioning was invented, and yeah. then pff, everybody moved there. Mm-hmm. And so... The the city expanded very fast. The, it was very hard for the infrastructure to keep up. And there was a lot of, oh, we don't need to build there. There's new land this way, so we'll just build out there. And so areas of the city literally became um, dust bowls inside the city. And mm-hmm. they, you know there would be crime problems there. And um, all of the things that Arizona currently whines about, they can track back to Phoenix exploding really easily. Um, but when I was there in the mid-'90s, uh, I was just a temp working in the Neighborhood Services Division of the city, and um, it was really cool because they had their districts, and I don't, I don't remember if they called them districts or um, what they called them, but each of the representatives from them had little areas that they'd go through and do anti-blight campaigns. They'd add in streetlights and get things repaved and all this, and there was this fund that was doing it, and it was um, a really interesting project. And I look at the city of Helena, and you know we've got, I guess it's Ward 6, over by Sixth Ward, yeah. yeah it's it's the most rundown area of town and it's like why would you go build something new instead sort of fix what we've got why destroy the open lands if we've got this area that just needs a little bit of work and it could be great uh, and and so i think phoenix had the you know not this year i don't think phoenix has any good ideas this year arizona's kind of on off on their own but phoenix had some great ideas about how to deal with urban growth and the boundaries. And, and, but they had to come up with them. And the reason they had to come up with them is that Phoenix is surrounded on three sides by uh, native lands, and then the other side is National Forest. So there's right. nowhere to grow. Yeah. Um, and like Chandler and a couple of the other cities actually don't even own the land they're on. They lease it from the tribes.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, so y- if you buy a house in Chandler, you actually don't own the land that your house is on, which is like being in England... I just find that very bizarre. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the. We asked about the relationship between
1: the county and, and Helena. Mm-hmm. There's a memorandum of understanding for the growth area, urban services area, urban services boundary. They have all these names for it. I don't know exactly what that boundary is because I quit looking after a while. And I, th- this is, I, I mentioned before my desire to create wastewater treatment to do this stuff. Um, we meet once a month. We go over these things, and I feel I feel like a broken record. I'm the one person that's saying, "Wait, wait, wait!" You know, this is the reality of it. So there's this un- memorandum, and basically, we and the county hasn't enforced anything or done anything with it. Um, requires the county to implement a an urban density standard in within this area, and I think it goes out to Sierra Road, quite away from the city limits. Mm. And in, in res- um, um, for that, the city would provide services. You know, they will agree to provide service. So we'd have these meetings and we had repetitive meetings over and over. I said, define, provide service. Well, we'll allow you to connect. I said, so let me give you a little scenario. I'm a developer. I come in here and I, there's 100 acres on the south side of Sierra Road and there's 100 acres on the north side. And I want to do a subdivision. So whatever size it is, let's say I'm going to do 100 lots, subdivision. On the south side, now I've got this this urban standards I have to deal with, which is great because you can take less land and do a dense development. Except that I've got to put in water and sewer, which I'm I'm all in favor of. That's wonderful. What do I connect them to? Well, the city will provide services, but that means that they will allow me to connect. So in order for me to connect, I'm going to have to build an $8 million lift station to pump it up to the city wastewater treatment plant. Which is uphill from that location. Oh, yeah, a long way, two miles uphill. I'm going to have to get right away to get all the stuff in there and put that in. I'm going to have to bring city water out here. So you have I, to pump that out, too. No, that's pressurized, so it works. Oh. But you can't have a dead-end line, so it's got to be a loop. So I've got to bring a 24-inch main out here, two miles, and then I've got to go through my subdivision, and then I've got to run another 24-inch main back to make a loop out of it. So I've probably got another $10, 15000000 million in that. So I'm going to spend $20, 25000000 million on infrastructure just to get it there so
0: that I can connect to it. When right. it's technically inside the city's boundaries and they should be providing service. Yeah, so that's going to cost it's me. It's a real easy definition of providing service. It, that means that at the edge of my property, I can connect to the city service. Yeah, that doesn't happen. So uh, that means I'm going to spend a quarter million dollars per lot to get
1: that infrastructure next to my subdivision. It means you're not going to build the subdivision. Or I'm gonna go across that line on the other side, and I'm gonna do my half acre minimum subdivision that I can do in the county
0: without all that stuff. So. And just do septic tanks.
1: Yeah, or I can put a wastewater treatment plant. And a lot of these developments are putting advanced wastewater treatment on on an individual scale for their 100 lots. Yeah, we just approved one last year. Great plant. It's a high-level treatment. Better treatment than you would get in the city of Helena, I think. You know, It comes out drinking water out to this side. But, wow, all these things getting wrapped up. But you can't put a water system in because you can't get water rights. It's a closed basin. Legislature will not deal with it. They haven't done anything with it. Now, I can put in 20,000 square foot lots, DEQ regulation, and I can put individual wells. So I can put 100 wells in there, unregulated, 35-gallon-a-minute wells, but I can't put one big well in there and put a water system in because it violates the state rules. I, I can't get water rights for it. <laughs> so immediately, 20,000 square foot lots. I can't go any denser because that's the state regulation. And so what, what are you going to do? So you're going to build... You don't. If we were to enforce that, that line would become like that growth boundary around Portland. It oh, the urban a, growth boundary. I love the urban growth boundary.
0: Yeah. And, and it would be a moratorium on development on the city side of the line. Nobody would develop anything there. Well, and see, that's the, that's the, when the urban growth boundary went in, I'm sure that people were arguing for both sides of it and thinking that it would do exactly what you're saying. But Portland has grown so much that they hit the edge of that boundary really hard. Everything yeah. inside that boundary got developed. Everything outside that boundary is developed as well with, you know, five yeah. acre lots and, But the other thing I've heard with Portland, they've got a wonderful transit system. They do, and you know how they got it?
1: That is going bankrupt right now. It's headed for disaster. And part of the problem now that I've been looking into it is that it's great for all the people within that growth boundary, because that's what it was designed to service. But that growth boundary has become expensive, so all the people who have service jobs in Portland can no longer afford to live in the areas because they've cleaned up all that stuff. And they live out there where they don't have a transit system now. And they're the people who would need it the most.
0: Yeah, except, well, see, I don't think that's true. I, I would disagree with that. I'd want to see the research on it, and mostly because I've actually lived in Portland. Well, it has gone bankrupt. I can give you articles yeah. on that. Well, the entire city of Portland is going bankrupt because it does a lot of other stupid things. But the reason they were able to pay for their transit system was because they did a parking cap and they taxed parking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a, being from Montana, you know, I've, I've had my driver's license as long as I possibly could. I got it when I was 14 and a half. You know, had to do the, it was at the Civic Center at the time when Mm -hmm. you drove around and had to park it behind the old, uh, what was it? It was like a 1970 station wagon, beige, (laughs) that I think they just actually parked on the street forever. Um, You know, did the whole thing. I've always had a car. And when I lived in Portland, I actually had a truck. I lived downtown Portland. And I had a truck, but I had my own parking space in the apartment complex that I was in. And literally, I would take the truck if I was leaving town and going to do a road Mm -hmm. trip. Or if I had to change the oil. Oh, they got a wonderful trans—they got a wonderful transit system. Right, and I don't think they pay enough. I, you know, the, the free zone was really big then; it's much smaller now, and mm-hmm. and rates were considerably lower. I still don't think they charge enough for what they do. Well, they don't because they're going bankrupt. Right, I mean, they, they clearly are. But so. the other thing is that TriMet operates outside of Portland proper It actually covers the three counties as well, yeah. and it includes the bus system. But it's not quite. Re- I mean, anyway, I mean, it's not—it's right. not black and white, but
1: it's created one of these situations where you. You're driving the people out that need to work the service jobs, that need to use
0: the transit more than, you know, anyway. But right. The whole idea is to, to make it nice enough that everybody wants to use yeah. it, not that everybody has to. But it, it's, it's had its issues one
1: way or the other. But we, we, here was that, this whole idea here to put this line there. But because there's the option to go, we don't have that development standard on the other side of the line. Well, everybody goes outside the line.
0: Right and well the the so reason the urban spread. well the reason the urban growth boundary worked is because they did have that there were restrictions on what you could do outside the urban growth boundary you had to have 5 acre lots um you had to have the the position of the house was calculated in really odd and archaic ways I mean there's all sorts of stuff that went into it yeah. um but yeah but, but it was it was the boundary but both sides were regulated if we just have a boundary on the other side is no man's land where well, it's I mean, regulated by things that make it completely irrelevant you know, insane for you to even try to connect to the city. You're not going there's to. No way. And then you look at this is not a blank sheet of paper. You
1: know, if you started this and you said, okay, we have got a pristine hell in the valley, we're going to put a city here and we're going to develop this. But, I mean, there's there's um, we don't even density, we've only got
0: three streets that go east and
1: west in yeah, the town. Urban density on. developments up on the north hill. You know, and there, there's, there's stuff all over. So we have to work
0: with what we have, right? And try to make some sense of it and make it work. Well, and that's what we always have to do. I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I, no, I it's not a bad thing. The problem, I think, comes into it when your hands are tied and you can't do the thing that makes sense. But
1: I say it's the you build it. If you build it, they'll come. If we, and I've been trying, I've almost given up trying to get wastewater treatment plant
0: down the bottom of the valley where it needs to be. Why wouldn't they put, okay, we have the wastewater treatment plant that's out at on Custer, by, yeah? Yeah, by Costco. The big one. Mm-hmm. And that's been there forever, and it's broken like 16 times, and... It's old, yeah. And where is this place that you want to put another one? At the bottom of the valley, down by Lake Helena. Okay. you know Everything runs downhill. Yes. Water does We're run down, downhill. Yeah, I've, I've had that happen. Uh, but, it especially runs down computer. Mm. Yeah. But, but if you put it at the low point, gravity, why, why, why pump it all
1: over the place when you use gravity? But if you, want to, if you want a direct development,
0: put a sewer out there and
1: put a water main. If that's where you want the development to be,
0: yeah, right and say this: you can connect to our services. In fact, these is. are right next to your property. You want to build over
1: there? There's no sewer and water over there.
0: Yeah, no, and there won't be for a while. So you, so. Can, you can, can you can direct it. You can, but it's that it's that partnering with people to get it done. Interesting. What about inspections? How does that work with the? Because there's county inspectors and city inspectors, and what kind of inspections on? I don't know new construction. City has a building department.
1: That okay. I was in the building business for thirty years. Went from. Um, three inspections basically, you know, foundation, framing, and final on the house, other
0: than plumbing and electrical. Right. To like 23 inspections. On. I think they're just. What's all being them. inspected? I'm bringing this up for specific reasons. Um, Lewis and Clark Brewery, one of my favorite places to hang out, mm-hmm. went from being in the bottom of the brew house, of course, to their new location, which is the old Columbia Pates building, which used to be a prison, and a bunch of other, a smokehouse, mm-hmm. and a bunch of other things. And... Uh, it was originally slated to take a year and it took almost two. Um, and most of it, and Max would never say this, he's the nicest guy and he has nothing but good things to say about the city. Um, I, however, am impatient and I wanted my new brewery to be in place because I like hanging out there. I knew what it was going to be. It's a really cool space. And he was literally running into, he couldn't get inspectors out there. They'd come out and ask for capricious things. Um, Rules would change midway through construction after plans had been approved. Yep. A different inspector would read the law differently. Yep. And how is this, you know, I look at that and, I, and then the brew house went through a similar thing than getting downstairs at the brew house ready, um, where, you know, in the middle of it, all of a sudden their plans had to change because there was this new rule that had just cropped up, even though their plans had been signed and approved by the city. You know they had everything. They had the electrical. They had the water. They had the fire suppression. They had everything in place, and that was signed off by the city. And then after that, as they're in the middle of uh, finishing it off, they're told they're going to have to rip out a wall and put something else in. I told them I'm an, I'm an engineer as well,
1: and, I'm, and I still do engineering work. I'm a county commissioner, but I still do my engineering business, and most of what I do is structural work mm-hmm. and working with the city of Helena. And um, I, my one of my earliest forays into politics was the. Um, um, building, and what is it? Building apartment improvement committee or something. Uh, I was in the um, Home Builders Association and we were having fits with it. It taken forever. A month, two months to get a permit for a house. We got some legislation passed that if you were, if you built this sort of model plan, you, you had to get it done in 10 days. And all the other building uh, organizations around the state said, why are we introducing this bill? Oh, it takes so long to get permits. What do you mean? We get them in like five days in Missoula, and we get them in, you know... Helena was the one that was a problem. So we ended up getting a legislation passed to try to say, you've got to get these things out. Um, I've, worked, I've been working with them for 30 years. Um, I think they've made some real improvements in the way they do it, but they've also, at the same time, gotten more and more, as I to say, three inspections to 23 inspections. I think they're way over the top on a lot of these things.
0: Well, here's what I wonder... If they can't get out and do the inspections and and be right, if you know, and, and I would think the inspector's job mm. inspecting mm-hmm. and knowing what they're looking at and knowing that they're doing it right. If they come back halfway through and the plans have to be changed because of something they did wrong, yeah. they need. I'm sorry, but they need to be reviewed and everything they've done needs to be reviewed because where else have they screwed up? And I started referring to them as our tax base um, deferment team because. I don't understand why you would want to stop a business from being successful in this town. Everybody mm-hmm. complains that we don't have enough revenue coming into the city, coming into the county, coming into the state. Well, i got a clue for you. If you let our businesses actually work, if you let them open, if you do your job to keep the rest of us safe, which is, that's what the inspectors are supposed to yep. do, right? It's like everything in life, it's a balance. And it's kind <clears> of to get the stranglehold on things and
1: make it so difficult. I have gone in there and I said, you know, you're, you're encouraging civil disobedience.
0: It's It's not going to be subtle. If you were helpful
1: (laughs) and you worked with people more, then they'd be
0: glad to come in and get a permit and you'd help them through the way. But when you're very restrictive, they'll just go do it without a permit. Well, and especially if you're restrictive in a way that doesn't make any sense. Right. If you're telling somebody they can't do something because it's completely unsafe... That's legitimate. You need but to when understand. you're not even bothering to get there to do the inspection, when you're changing the plans midway that have already been approved by your office, now you're saying they're no longer good, even though no ordinance or law has changed in the meantime, that's a problem. It is, yeah.
1: And, and I've, seen, I've seen a lot of that happen. And um, hopefully they're, I try to bring it to their attention. Hopefully they're getting better at it, but it's, it's still a problem.
0: Um, yeah, definitely. And that's why thats why I guess I have a pretty good business doing engineering work. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next? You've got an election coming up. You're going to get an, uh, uh, maybe a new colleague or maybe the same colleague. Yeah. And, well, I guess I have, do you have a, a head of the commission? The, the, there's a chairman of the commission that rotates every year. To each of the districts? or
1: Well, we all represent a district, but... Um, and, and I think it's a good rotation. First year you're elected, you're just the commissioner. Okay. Second year, you're vice chairman. And then the third year, you're chairman. Okay. No,
0: so you're coming up on your chairmanship as well. No, I was
1: chairman last year. Now this is my fourth year, so I'm back to commissioner. Oh. And you rotate through. Oh, it's every year, year, not every two yeah, years. Yeah, okay. in, in the last year, you're chairman. So it just, and it, it just rotates that through. But I think it's a good system because... The first year, if you're new, like, I don't know what's going right, on. Right, you know, exactly. You know, it gives you a chance it to acclimate. A chance to see what goes on, and by the time your third year comes around, you're chairman. And then fourth year, you're... You're back to zero
0: again, or whatever, you know. <laughs> Back to square one. But the
1: chairman, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. As a as, uh, not chairman, you've got a meeting, the, and you, you don't have to run the meeting. So you can be looking, you can be paying attention to stuff, putting things together if you've got questions or you're going somewhere with it if you're the chairman, you have to run the meeting. Right. So it's a little bit harder to, you know, be thinking about, well, read this detail. What is it I need to do here while you're also running the meeting and keeping everything going? Mm -hmm. So um, not that I, I, that held me back when I was chairman. I still
0: (laughs) asked a lot of questions and pushed people pretty hard. Right. So um, as you're coming up on your last two years, you're coming up on the election, which is going to be interesting, I'm sure. I'm. Mm -hmm. How does election time feel at the county? I mean, this is the second election that you've gone through.
1: Yeah, Mike Murray ran, he was, the first, after two years, Mike was up for election. Mm -hmm. And that became a three-way race. Um, Pretty interesting. He won, had 39-something percent of the vote because there were three people there. And it all split it up. It got pretty weird. I endorsed uh, Bob Hollow. And I got some flack for that. It's like, well, hey nothing personal, guys, but I came in here to change, and I'm not seeing much change happen, so I need to get somebody to help. Um, right now I'm endorsing uh, Mike Fassbender, who's running for office, trying to get him in there. I, I just want somebody to work with me and try to change things. Um, they, my feeling is that basically it's been, you know, kind of a status quo, just do as just everything comes through, let the staff bring it up, and we move it along, and um, I'm, I'm an innovator and a changer and push things, and um, I think that's pretty unusual up there. They're not used to somebody who is, I don't mean, okay, start a project. Because I think traditionally the commission has staff bring something forward and they, they work with it. But it's hmm. always, oh, we ought to do this. Go ahead and bring it to us when it's done.
0: Is there a, uh, statute limit, of limitations, I guess, um, term limits? That's what I'm looking for. No. I'm kind of, no. So you could
1: stay forever. Yeah, Mike Murray's been there. He had, he's on his fourth term. So he's in his 19th or 20th year now. And Andy is? Andy, this is the end of his first term.
0: Okay. So he's up for election this year. So he was relatively new when you came in. Yeah. And he replaced? Ooh. um, I don't know know for sure. Maybe Anita own. Maybe. Interesting. Um, So last two years, what do you expect to get done? Or what do you want to get done? I have to really um, step back and just... Uh, I obviously won't get
1: any of the things done that I really wanted to do. Then why not run again? And
0: spend those six years of frustrating not getting anything done? Well, hopefully, you know... Okay. I you know, maybe. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a person... Is it, who, is, is it... I got a question for you, and this is not the nicest thing in the world to say about government, but it's one of the ways I think when I go into an election, because I don't often get to vote for people I really like... Is it better to um, stop government in its tracks, which means that, no, it's not going to improve, but at least it won't get worse <laughs> than it is I, to... I feel like that's something I've been trying... Yeah. Okay. So if that's your option, is would it, Would you not take it? I don't think I'd run again. Uh, too no. much?
1: Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a driven person. I'm, I'm, you know I've spent 30 years in a business where you get things done. I mean, I that's what you do well, or you, you don't get paid don't get anything done <laughs> yikes I had a good friend years ago who had a couple of whiskeys and was sitting there and he said you know the difference between government and the private sector in government the only time you get in trouble is when you do something if you don't do anything you don't get in trouble but in the private sector if you don't do anything you're dead right you've got to be out there innovating and doing things but the government no that's, that's trouble that spells big trouble if you go out there and try to change things and there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, you see it, and the, and the, as the level goes up, I mean, this is just local government. And you get to the state, and you get the federals. Whew, boy, trying to change anything, you're talking decades on the federal side. Ugh. So I've ended up from ambitious. You know, the idea of um, ways to do. I've got. Diff, I've got solutions to a lot of things. I mean, the wastewater is one of them. But I've got grand plans for zoning for all this different stuff, but I don't see it going anywhere. Um, What I have done is bring more transparency, um, bring, I've I've brought um, a little more consistency to the procedure, you know, just I've I've questioned a lot of things that were done. Uh, One example, in the meetings, we just kind of went through this just the last few weeks actually. Um, Meeting agenda, we have consent action items and then we have action items. Mm -hmm. And you you take the consent as a group. Well, I started asking questions about the consent items. And it was like, oh, you can't do that. What's for public input? We need to know it. So I just kept asking. You can tell me I can't, but we just kept talking about it. (laughs) And um, so it became the norm. And so now we we ask questions about consent, and the public knows what we're doing. And we approve them as a group. Uh, But, I mean, little things like that that I've tried to work to... I said most of the time I ask questions I know the answer, but I want you to know the answer, and I want whoever's out there watching to know
0: the answer. Right, and some of us wouldn't think of the questions. No, that's so. why I try to ask the you know get things out there. Very cool. Um, so, how can people get a hold of you if they need to? Do you, are you on Twitter, Facebook, website? What have you got? I know For, you're not running a campaign, and you're probably not running again. But I mean, I've got it, my all my, my phone number and
1: stuff is published as on a congressman. Um, My cards have my personal email. My cell phone number is 465-3191. Um,
0: I'm I'm available. It's a 24-7 job. Yeah, it is. Um, Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Is there anything else you want to tell people? No, and I certainly enjoyed talking with you, and thanks for asking me. It was awesome. Have a good day. Thanks.